Hello, and welcome to The Shining Light, where we are shining the light of the gospel and speaking the truth in love, providing strength, and stirring the hearts of our listeners. We are so glad to have you joining us today as you listen to this message from Pastor Tim Cruz. Amen. Thank you, men. And all of God's people said, Amen. God bless you. Well, I'm so thankful that's where my sins are. And someone said, the Lord put up a no fishing sign. And they're buried there. And as far as the east is from the west. And the Lord has been faithful and merciful to us all. May the Lord remind us tonight of how blessed we are that our sins are gone. And I'm so thankful that they are. And they are never to be brought up or held against us again. They're gone for good forever. And I thank God for that. And so the Lord is merciful. And thank you, men, for that song. I want you to take your Bibles. And we're wrapping up our study in the book of Nehemiah. The Lord has used this in my life and to really challenge me. And I want us to go back there because I want to just kind of walk through this book and highlight some things tonight about Nehemiah's dependence upon the Lord. That, that's really where it all came out of, his walk with God. Everything came out of his uh, walk with the Lord, his courage, his confidence, the fact they were able to complete the task. It all came out of his walk with God. And if we're not careful, if you're trying to do a spiritual work in the flesh, I'll tell you, it'll not only wear you out, but it will weary you to the point of aggravation and frustration, anger, resentment, and even bitterness if you're not careful. There's a lot of people who started out in the Lord's work excited, but then they faced some kind of difficulty, some kind of setback. They got disillusioned, and then they just got hard in their heart and in their spirit. And I don't want you to go down that path because it's possible for any of us tonight. Man will fail you. Man will disappoint. We disappoint ourselves. My greatest challenge is me. My greatest enemy oftentimes is myself. And you fight the same battle. And so as we think about this, we think about Nehemiah and how God used him. His name means the Lord comforts. He needed God's comfort and reassurance throughout this journey of faith and obedience. So will we. We not only need it, but we have it by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we consider this, we're reminded again of how he began. God brought the burden to his attention and he committed it to the Lord in prayer and sought God in Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse 5 and following through the end of the chapter. He relied on God and uh, he trusted God. He depended upon the Lord. And I told you this morning what George Mueller said, the one who started so many orphanages to help thousands ultimately of children there in uh, Great Britain. He said, if the Lord fails me this time, it will be the first time. Isn't that wonderful? The Lord's never failed me. He's never failed any of us, right? And so the God that we're relying on cannot fail. He will not go back on His promise. And God is faithful to us. And God wants us to take this step of faith and this reliance upon the Lord to actually step out and do what He's given us to do. To overcome our hesitation, our timidity, sometimes our false humility, 
A journey of a thousand miles starts with the first step. We've got to be willing to take that step of faith and obedience before God. He was willing to take on this task because he knew that God was with him. And if God would grant him mercy and God would just simply prosper them, move them forward and show himself strong to them and through them, then there was no challenge too big for the God that he was serving and representing. Oswald Sanders said this, a great deal more failure is the result of an ac excess of caution than of bold experimentation with new ideas. The frontiers of the kingdom of God were never advanced by men and women of caution. See, we have an adversary who wants us to hesitate. Oh, I don't know. Ah, let's see. Let, let's think that through. There's one thing to pray through something to get the mind of God, and we must. See, he was praying, Lord, guide me, give me wisdom. Even when it, the king asked him into chapter 2, why are you sad? What's wrong with you? He said, I prayed to the God of heaven and said, Lord, uh, what do you want me to answer him? Right here, right now, I need an answer. Would you give me what to say? And God did that. He knew that the Lord was with him. And so he was trying to make sure that he followed the Lord, but it was not someone that was going to be talked out of what God had basically put in his heart and put before him to do. If we're not careful, that's what we'll do here. The songwriter said, like a mighty army moves the church of God, moving forward, advancing, gaining ground. And we'll miss what God has for us if we're overly cautious, timid, hesitant, or filled with false humility. I told my wife, I said, I kind of came out of some of that. I was overly cautious, overly timid. It's like God gave me something in his word, and then it's like I, would, I found myself couching that oftentimes. And there is a place to say, well, we'll do this, Lord willing. We'll go here and there. We'll buy and sell, God willing. There is a place for that. But there's a place where that's not necessary. Because when God has given his will and his word, you don't have to say, God willing. We're going to go and tell somebody about Jesus. And uh, at some point, we're praying that God would give har uh, just harvest for the seed that's sown. And we'll see some people saved, Lord willing. Well, the Bible says he's not willing that any should perish. Do you understand what I'm saying? I think sometimes we use the Lord willing, and I say that very respectfully, as a way to almost hesitate or not follow through on what God's given us to do. Isn't it amazing? We just walk around. We're going to do this or that. Uh, Lord willing. We're going to obey God. Lord willing. We're going to, I'm going to read my Bible today. Lord willing. Uh, I'm going to give somebody gospel track and witness this week. Lord willing. Do you understand what I'm saying? I don't want you to miss this. Because I think it's rooted in sincerity. But it is possible to be sincerely wrong. And it is possible to have zeal, but not according to knowledge. How many hesitant people are there in the Lord's work when there should be bold, courageous people willing to step up and launch out? They've got courage. They've got confidence in God and in the promise of His Word and the promise of His presence in their lives. 
Who's willing to stand up and say, the good hand of the Lord is upon me, and this is God's will, and we're going to do what God has given us to do. You don't find them into chapter 2. As Nehemiah relied on the Lord and then rallied the people, they said, let us rise up and build in verse 18. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. When he told them, he said, this is what God's put in my heart. And then I told them of the good hand of my God, which was upon me. They said, all right, let's do it. You don't read here in the text. They said, all right, well, uh, let's rise up and build. Lord willing, we're going to get these walls rebuilt. Lord willing, one of these days, God will. We'll try, we'll hope to maybe get this done. You say, Pastor, you, you really exaggerate. No, I'm not. In fact, I'm probably not illustrating it to the degree that so many people act upon it. Or let's say, don't act. Because it's always about, and I've heard this, well, if the Lord wants it done, He's going to get it done, preacher. Well, the Lord's not willing that any should perish. He's trying to get it done through you and me. You and me, the church, His children, through us, our obedience is how He's trying to get His job done. But we want to sit on the sidelines like, well, God is mysteriously going to get it done some way or another without His servants, without His children, like we're not His hands, we're not His feet, we're not His mouthpiece, His spokesman, we're just those who are kind of sitting on the sideline and, and Lord willing, you know, he might do this, he might not do that. I don't know, whatever the Lord wants. But right now, the thing that I'm thinking about more is where I'm going to eat supper <laughs> and what I'm going to do this week for myself. Am I praying that God would open up a door for me to witness? Am I purposing to tell someone about Christ? Am I looking for an opportunity to serve the Lord? If we're not careful, oftentimes not. It's like, well, if God wants me to do something, He'll let me know it. But if He doesn't really speak to me about anything, I'm just kind of meander through life. You get the sense in the heart of what is being said here tonight. Why do we hesitate? There's a city who needs Christ. There's, there are families that are just stressed. There are people in need, but yet we'll dabble into this, we'll try that, we face a little uh, opposition or a little resistance or it just don't happen, and then we'll just kind of set it aside and go on like, like we're not even going to meet God with it even. Wow. I just think we're so casual and so careless if we're not careful about this matter of serving God. It's a take it or leave it thing. It's a come or go. We'll see how it strikes me at this time. We're going to have to be weaned from feeling to faith. Faith in God is an action verb. It is something that is accompanied, that is demonstrated by obedience, by works. We don't work to get saved, but we work because we're saved. That's how God wants us to understand it. I just think if we're not careful, we miss it. 
And, and we're just content to sit on the sidelines. We're content to say, well, I'm letting God lead me, but I'm not walking in the light and doing today what I know God's given me to do. And we get so around the world and distracted and busy and all kind of secondary things that in the end don't really matter. I mean, what are we doing with all due respect with the opportunities that God has given us individually? Are we trying to advance what God has entrusted to us? Are we trying to reach someone? Are we trying to give out the gospel? Are we trying to train or disciple someone? Or are we just kind of going on our way Sunday to Sunday thinking, well, you just got to get through this world. Got to work, got to pay bills. We all do. But I'll tell you, there's more to serving the Lord than just attending services. There's a work God wants done. And if we recoil, if we hesitate, if we draw back, then we not only rob ourselves of what God wanted to do for us and through us, but we rob others. We rob them. Oh, may the Lord help us as he said again and again about the God of heaven into chapter 4, you see through chapter 6 that they sought the Lord time and again some eight times. Nehemiah led the people to seek the Lord. And even when the opposition came by ridicule, ridicule in chapter 4, he answered it by prayer, by anger. He answered it by prayer. When opposition came through discouragement among the brethren, even his own co-laborers, he resorted to prayer and to faith and to stir them again toward God. God is with us. He'll fight for us there in verse 20. In the chapter 5, he had to deal with greed and heartlessness. And uh, there's some things that had to be made right. See, it was one thing to pray is another thing to deal with what need to be dealt with. We can pray and commit it to God, but there's a time to, to act and to do what God has given us to do. And then they tried to get him off of the wall there in chapter 6, in verse 1 and following. But he was firm in his resolve to follow the Lord and stay the course and to finish the job that God had given him to do. And in verse 15, so the wall was finished, we read, in 52 days. So the wall was finished. He had courage, he had confidence, and he completed what God had given him. But I think it's interesting as you move on through this and as they began to put things in place and the people, those who had come back, this faithful remnant, and registering them as the new beginning of the citizens of the city. And they read the law of the Lord, and God blessed them, and they humbled themselves before the Lord into chapter 8 and uh, chapter 9. God was at work among the people, but then as you turn through these pages and you see these different ones and God accounted for them and by their names and their families and God had accurate records here. But then you get into chapter 13 and Nehemiah had gone away for a time and by the time he got back the people had gotten away from God. They had compromised their separation and their service to the Lord and things had to be addressed all over again. And how did he do it? By reliance upon God. By dependence upon God. 
You've got things in life you think, well, I worked hard to get it to this point. It's going to stay there. No, it's not. It's going to take prayer. It's going to take commitment. It's going to take sometimes revisiting things, uh, just doing things over and again. And Paul said that. He said, you may in essence get tired of me telling you these things over and over again. I will that thou affirm these things constantly, but it's safe for you for me to just remind you again and again. This is what God says. The human nature, we, we're prone to wonder. We're prone to get away from these commitments. And we have to shore these things up periodically. Think about the great job, the great task, the great victory that God wrought earlier in this book. Then by the time you get to the end of Nehemiah, here he is having to set the house of the Lord in order all over again. In verse 10 of chapter 13, I want you to see this. The house of the Lord, he asked, why is it forsaken in verse 11? So he gathered people together and sat them in their place. He put things in order. And then as you see this unfold and even the people they had failed to give to the Lord, the tithe is the Lord's and they had begin to hedge on that and go back on that. Anytime there's a diminished commitment to God, there's diminished giving. It's reflected in people's diminished giving, whether it be in offerings or time or service. People begin to guard more their time, their money, and they make it more about them, whereas it used to be about the Lord. Whatever the Lord wants, whatever the need is, count me in, I'm a part of it, I'll give, I'll go, I'll serve, I'll be a part but then all of a sudden it's like, oh, no, I don't, I'll be a part up to a point. Oh, how careful we have to be because that's where they got. Oh, we're serving God for a time, but wait, what about me? Uh, I, I mean, I could use those funds there. Don't the Lord know that I have needs? I got to take care of me and my, hey, a man's got to do what a man's got to do. And I got I to take care of my family first. Friend, I want you to know that either side of the road we're in the ditch and there's two extremes. There are those who really truly have abandoned their families in the name of serving God, and that's not of God. God doesn't take care of your family automatically because you're serving Him. He puts you there to take care of them. That's what God wants you to see. But then the other side of that is sometimes people put their families before God. And rather than honoring the Lord in their giving, in their time, Rather than saying, hey, we're going to serve the Lord together as a family here, it's like they make a distinction. This is what we do for the Lord, and this is what we do for us. God wants us to understand that the Christian life is not to be lived in compartments. I do the God thing here or on Sundays, but then I do the me thing and the our thing over here. We're missing it all together. God-given duties do not compete. They do not conflict. They're not running into each other. They're complementing one another. We're serving the Lord together as a family. We get to serve God. This is an opportunity that God has blessed us with. And so we embrace it. Yes, there has to be discernment. Yes, there has to be an understanding of when to push forward through certain things and then times to pull back and say, hey, we just need some more time. Yes, with the Lord, but with each other. That has its place. God wants us to see that. 
But if we're not careful, we'll lean one way or the other. It's neglecting things in the home in the name of serving God, but then sometimes it's neglecting things in the house of the Lord in the name of serving home. That's human nature, and if we're not careful, we'll miss that. The roadway of truth is not a two-way street. So we talk about balance. We're not talking about trying to juggle between two extremes. We're just talking about doing what God says. Understanding says I have that concept settled in my heart. Yes, I'm to take care of my family. But a part of taking care of my family is leading them to worship, to the house of God, to serve, to be involved. That's a part of God's plan for my family. And the blessing that will come is just that. I think about it. I read where one noted preacher was talking about Proverbs 22, 6, trying to put a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. He said a lot of Christian parents take that as a promise, but it's not a promise from God. It's a proverb. He said a proverb is something that is generally true, a lot of the time, generally speaking, as you generally apply these principles, this is what you see happen. But it's not a promise. You can't force the Lord on anyone. We all have choices and you can't choose for someone else. Well, when I read that, I thought, that needs to be understood. See, it's an understanding, not just heard, but understood. There's a lot of parents who are trying to do right and trying to keep their family in church and trying to serve the Lord, but then uh, the children struggle or they struggle, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with us? What's wrong with my children? And what's wrong with our family? I guess we're, let, let me just tell you this. It seems like we're living in this day to where it's showcase Christianity, and we want to show off ourselves. And we want to show off who we are and what we do. And it's as though we're the example. Hey, looky here, look at me. And I just pray that the Lord will remove that veil from our eyes. And even that facade to where we just get real with the Lord and right with the Lord thoroughly. And realize that we all need God's help. And we need to be praying for one another and pulling for one another. And God only knows what we're going to be facing. God only knows that. So while we've made ourselves the ideal, if we're not careful, we've missed the reality of Jesus Christ as our standard. And what God is doing or what others are doing or deciding in one's life may not be the exact same in our lives. And it's like, well, if you don't line up with me or the way I see it or say it, then you're not lining up with God. So who made you? Lord in his place. Isn't that amazing? And parents struggle and strive. We're depressed. We're discouraged. We're distraught. I understand all that. You pray and you try and you must. But you know what? When you've done all that God has given you to do and you've done it in good faith, no one's ever done that perfectly, by the way. There's a God in heaven you can not only trust in, but you can rest in. Isn't that right? Nehemiah did everything he could to set everything up and it got put in place and he went away for a time and he came back and here it was just 
coming glued all over again. That's human nature. And if you're going to go through life cursing the darkness and the aggravation and the frustration of people and poor choices or wrong choices and then all these kind of things and you're trying to force things and you're trying to conform things and you're just trying to make it all about what you think it should be, I'll tell you what, you are going to be one frustrated, defeated person. Until you find anew your freedom in Jesus Christ, and the power to influence, to challenge, to teach, to train, to impact. And then letting God take it from there. I'll tell you, you'll always come up short somewhere. And you'll never walk in that victory. Remember back in chapter 8, they said the joy of the Lord is your what? It's your strength. It's your strength. The joy of the Lord. I can joy in Him when things out here aren't joyful. <laughs> Is that possible? It really is. It is possible. I can have peace in here. See, when people began to just focus on themselves, so again, it's, it's extremes. It, instead of being on the path of truth, it's like they got a lot of zeal, but not according to knowledge. There are people who have knowledge, but they don't have a lot of zeal. And God wants us to understand that life and light, zeal and knowledge are opposite sides of the same coin. They go hand in hand. And we ought to have zeal for God and zeal for right and zeal for our loved ones. But according to knowledge, according to understanding, there are things we put in place that over time have to be put in place all over again. But it comes back to the point to where we just, all right, Lord, you led me then. I trust that you'll lead me now. And that's what he says in verse 14. Remember me, oh my God, concerning this and wipe not out my good deeds that I've done for the house of of my God and for the offices thereof. You know what? Others may not do what we do for God in His house, but God keeps a record of that. Others may not value it. Others may not appreciate it, but God keeps a record of that. I did this from my heart as unto you, Lord, for your name, for your house, for your glory. God, would you remember this on the account of my faith and my endeavor to try to honor you and put things the way they should be here. Would you honor that, not just as you've done, but right here, right now? They began to violate the Sabbath day. See, think about it. The house of God was suffering because the people were cooling in their commitment to God. People ask, well, what's wrong with the church? Why can't the church do this? Well, let me ask you. The church is just people. It's not a building. The church is a body. If let's just say this, if every member of this church prayed like I, or let's personalize it, if everybody here prayed like I prayed, would there be much prayer going on? If everybody in a week's time invited someone or tried to witness to someone to the degree that I do, would there be many people hearing the gospel? If I have an opportunity to serve and if I am doing what I'm doing with it to make the most of it or not, if everyone else did that to their realm of opportunity here, what would that look like? You see? What we see oftentimes is but a reflection of our prayer, of our faith, of our service. If we sow sparingly, we'll reap sparingly. 
But the opposite of that, if we sow bountifully, we'll reap bountifully. You see, a lot of times if we're not careful, we want, the, we want to get in on, as it were, the fruit of the reaping. But you can't reap but for so long. It's like socialism. <laughs> After a while, you run out of other people's money to give away. <laughs> Isn't that right? After a while, the blessings that God gave, if all we're going to do is take those blessings and enjoy those blessings, but we're not going to sow more seed, and we're not going to heart or, or cultivate and, and plow the ground and do what God's given us to do, all we're interested in is the harvest. Well, what are we doing to cultivate and create continual harvest? After a while, the church of God, it diminishes because people take and take and take. And when God revives the people, they start giving and giving. And it's not just of their resources, it's of their time, their heart, their efforts, their involvement. Isn't that so true? And that's what was waning here. And then in verse 22, he says the latter part again, see, prayer. He depended on God from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 13. Remember me, O my God, concerning this also, and spare me according to the greatness of thy mercy. Again and again he kept coming back to the Lord. And then the people allowed their children just, they didn't think a thing about it. Oh yeah, married someone who doesn't know the Lord. See, their separation was defiled and it was just like, no big deal. And God's people and His work was being diluted in that regard. They're trying to mix light and darkness. They don't mix. And these unequal yokes began to take its toll. And then these enemies of the Lord are re just recalled here in verse 28. And he says in verse 29, Remember them, O my God, because they have defiled the priesthood. Remember what they've done. I'll tell you what, God not only remembers what we've done for His house, but He will remember those who have done evil toward His house. That's why you can trust people to the Lord and keep going no matter the challenge. And then lastly in verse 31, what did he say? Again, remember me, oh my God, for good. Amazing it closes in prayer. All throughout this book of the Bible, you find Nehemiah relying upon God. As he rallied the people, not just once, but here again at the end of this book. He had to put things back in order. That's the way it's always going to be. You're going to have to learn to thrive in the challenge of life, not just when you get to your desired haven. Oh, when I get to this place, it'll all come together. You're going to be tempted, troubled, tried between here and home. You can thrive in the midst of that, in the face of that even. Because you have a God who is greater. That confidence that you have in the Lord, you're looking for His approval, His honor in your life. You don't let others define who you are. You let Him define who you are. You don't value their opinion above His, as it were. You let the Lord determine the depth, the substance 
the reality of what you're doing for him. And you leave it there. I'll tell you, that's people of faith. I want to be someone of faith, don't you? I don't want to be someone that pulls back, that holds back, and then just thinks, well, why aren't we seeing more people saved? Why aren't we? Listen, if that wasn't a burden of my heart, I would have to step aside because I'm not right with God if I'm a pastor of a church and cannot challenge not only myself but our church family to give somebody the gospel this week. If we get away from that, we're backslid and don't even know it. We're settled in. This has become just more of a, a cultural type thing, a club type thing, or a vo vocation type thing. Oh, this is more than that, friend. This is the church of the living God. And he has a work for us to do. And I long to see him work in a greater way through each of us being confident of this very thing. That he which hath begun a good work in you, he'll do what? He will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. The word confident there is I've looked at the facts, I've studied it, I've come to a conclusion that what God says is so. It is true. I am fully persuaded and I've made a conscious choice to trust him with my life, with my future. And I know this, if he's begun a good work in me, he's working right now. And he'll never stop working until he comes and takes me home. May God give us that kind of confidence. God has a work for us to do here. This is for us in this day, in this hour. We're not to be a hesitant people sitting on the side. Should we do this? Should we do that? We settle that through prayer and fasting. Once we get the mind of God, we go with it. God is with us. God makes a way. God shows himself strong. And someone said the work of God begins with it's impossible. That it's extremely hard and difficult. And then it's done. I want to see God do some impossible things yet through us, don't you? He's already done a lot. I'd sure like to see him do more. But it's time, God helping us to rise and shine and do what he's given us to do. And that's not just as a group, that's individually you, your family, your involvement to serve the Lord in this place in these days. And I want you to pray with me and pray for me. Because through prayer, God has given me some clarity and some direction, as I mentioned this morning, some things, some immediate things that God wants us to do to press forward with His work here. Practical, so practical, but so needful, so necessary. May the Lord help us. I want to finish well this race He's given me to run. I know you do. And I want to run strong. And I want this church to rise up anew and lay hold of what God has for us. Thank you for listening to The Shining Light. We pray that this time has been a time of encouragement and blessing to you. The Shining Light is a production of Shining Light Baptist Church located at 2541 Old Charlotte Highway in Monroe, North Carolina. If you don't have a church home, we invite you to join us. Service times and more information can be found at our website, www.shininglightmonroe.com. 
You can also watch our services on Facebook and YouTube and connect with us on social media. Thank you for joining us, and God bless.